If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We have been in this series on favorite verses, and uh, each time we, uh, we, we share some things that are favorites uh, of ours. And uh, at home, I have a few baseballs that have autographs on them. And I have them displayed, and I've got one that was signed by uh, Bo Jackson uh, from uh, Kansas City Royals, Chicago, White Sox. Uh, I've got one signed by Andy Pettit of the New York Yankees. Uh, I've got one baseball that's been signed by Tim Hudson uh, when he was with the Atlanta Braves. And, but then I have another one. And uh, out of all the baseballs, four, that I have, this one by far, is the favorite one. And the reason it's favorite is because it was signed by the entire team of the powerful 1998 Reds. They were a t-ball team of seven-year-olds over here. Now, if you leave that picture up there, David Powell is the uh, main coach. Is David here today? Where's David? David here? There he is. Oh, this guy's incredible. He just let me grab onto his coattails and come on and be a part of this amazing team. Davis Orr over there, Emily Powell, Lauren Wood, and others. It was just murderer's row. Uh, and, and we were undefeated, correct, David? We won the... Yeah, we were completely undefeated. And uh, so it was undefeated T-ball. Then we retired from all of our coaching because we had accomplished uh, what needed to be done. But what we did was with them, when we came to the end, we gave them little trophies and stuff, and then they took a baseball, and they all signed this baseball. And so with those good-looking signatures on this ball, these are like seven-year-olds that said, we're going to autograph and give this to our coaches, and this is my favorite. Now... Part of the reason it's favorite is because you've got memories, and I got a daughter on the team, and uh, did I mention we went undefeated uh, on there? But I, my position was third base coach. And so, third base coach, what a third base coach does is when there are ever runners on the bases and there's a hit that goes out in the outfield, they are supposed to take a look at their third base coach. Because where the coach stands, he can see where the outfield, see where the ball is going. And then he is supposed to quickly be able to judge the speed of the runner and the talent of the outfielder to determine should that person stay at third or should they keep on and go home. And so every ball player, hopefully in his mind, should know that once they're getting ready to round second, they need to be looking at that third base coach to find out, do I go to third, do I stay at second, and when I get to third, do I keep going home? That's what third base coach does. In t-ball, it's not quite an art or a science. In t-ball, you bat around once. Everybody gets a bat, and then you just try to score as many runs as you can without getting out. So I figured out as a third base coach that I had to make sure the kids knew two things. Number one, when you get to this base, you have to touch this base. You can't just run by, you have to touch this base. And then I would tell them they need to go home to home plate so we're playing a game and that inning I mean we're just hitting like it's on all cylinders and as the kids are running and they start running from second base I am looking at them and I say touch third go home touch third go home touch third go home and it's just boom 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 just like that we did that for first inning we did the second inning 
We come to the last inning, third inning, okay? Little girl's playing third base for the other team. She stands there and she looks up at me and she's got this like this meanest look on her face. And she said to me, Mr. Why are you telling all those kids they have to go home? <laughs> and in her mind, I was like, touch her, go home, get out of here. Touch her, get out of here. Touch her, get out of here. And she, her eyes are this big, said, that's the meanest man I've ever met, telling all those kids they have to go home over here. But you know, wouldn't it be nice in life to have a third base coach? Wouldn't it? And all of a sudden, the situation comes up, a decision needs to be made, and you're rounding the base, and you're looking, and there's the third base coach, and, and he's telling you exactly what you need to do. Slow it down here, or keep on going, you can head home. I've, I've got a passage of Scripture that's kind of close to that. It's found in Proverbs chapter 3, and it's verses 5 and 6. And it's a verse that says that we are to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not onto your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Let's, let's break this down so all of us can understand this. At the very beginning of the verse, it says, trust in the Lord. That word trust in Hebrew is a word that means to rely on, to place your security in, to have a confidence in. Trust in the Lord. You need to rely on the Lord. You need to place your confidence in him. Trust in the Lord. Well, you think about the Lord, you think about who is the Lord. He's kind. He's giving. He's loving. He's merciful. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He is sovereign. That God, the one that is faithful and loyal and merciful, he says, that God. So he says, trust in the Lord, rely on the Lord, place your security in the Lord. And he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your heart. That means your will, your intellect, your personality. It is your total personality. So when he says to trust in the Lord, it's not just a mental exercise. It covers your entire personality, everything about you, both your will and your intellect, your total personality. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, all right? And lean not on your own understanding. The word lean is a word that means to put your support. You need support. For instance, if I had to lean on this stand here to keep, keep me up. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. I like what one commentator said. You need to have a sense of your own insufficiency. You need to have a sense of your own insufficiency. Now, what that means is you don't have all the answers, and either do I. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Some of us feel that we're very wise. Some of us feel we're very discerning, and so we can do that. But what the writer of Proverbs is saying is don't lean on your own understanding. And the insufficiency needs to um, resonate with us because you pick out whatever the situation is where you're looking for God's direction, and I'll tell you some things that are true about that. Number one, you don't fully understand human nature. 
Number two is you have no idea what all the facts are. You can gather all the facts you want to, but there's no way you know all the facts. Number three is you have no idea what the ramifications will be with whatever decision that you make. Ramifications on your life, ramifications on others. And you have no idea what ramifications on your particular character. Now, I don't say all that to scare you. What I do is I say all that because whenever we're in a situation, we need to understand I don't have all the answers. But everything I told you, God does. Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's already seen the future, and he knows these things. And so wouldn't it seem like that I would want to go to him and lean on him and not just my own understanding? You should never lean on the weight of your own finite, short-sighted, flawed, limited understanding when you decide on a course of action. You should trust and rely on the one true God. Trust in the Lord. Rely on the Lord. Place your confidence in Him. Lean not on your own understanding. Mark Batterson uh, wrote, I love his writing, and he wrote a book in a pit with a line on a snowy day. And he references Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9. And look at this verse with me. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, zero in on that thing. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Are you ready? How much higher are the heavens than the earth? Do you know? Astronomers have cited and believe that they have seen a galaxy that is 12.3 billion light years from earth. 12.3 billion light years from earth. So to put that in perspective... Light travels at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. And in order to get from the sun, 93 million miles away, to earth, it takes about eight minutes. So when you step outside and the sun comes out and you feel the sun, that's eight-minute old, old sun. Okay? So what would it be if the light came from the furthest galaxy at 12.3 billion light years away? It would take 12.3 billion years for that light to hit earth. That's incomprehensible. And so what I want you to think about is that God's thoughts and God's ways are as incomprehensible to you and me as that illustration. And on your best day, with your best thoughts about God, he is 12.3 billion light years even better and greater and powerful than you even imagine. My ways are greater than your ways. So my question is, why would you not include him in your decision? Does that not make sense? If I have got that type of God, why would I not include him in whatever decision I'm going through? And so I should not lean on my own understanding. He says, no, don't lean on your own understanding. Now, that doesn't mean that you check your brains at the door whenever you get ready to make a decision. Not at all. 
You are to use the discernment and the wisdom and intellect that, that you have, but you want to go to God and ask him to strengthen and deepen your knowledge, your intellect, your wisdom, so that you can help make those decisions. But you need to rely on him. You need to put your confidence in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, everything that you've got. Don't lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, that's your manner of life. That's your conduct. That's your behavior. Everything about you. In all your ways. That word, ways, is a word that means a journey. That you're progressing along in a journey. And so as you go along that journey, every step along the way, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And when it says acknowledge him, that means that God is your master. I recognize God as my master. And I want to listen to his counsel. And I want to listen to his counsel first. In all your ways, acknowledge him. New Living Translation says, seek his will in all you do. Seek his will in all you do. The message says it this way. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. And whenever you acknowledge his ways, you choose him first. Let me be real transparent with you. And I don't know if your story is like my story. But I have a tendency that when there are decisions to be made, directions to be taken... I will usually kick right in to what, from a self standpoint, what would please me the most, what would seem to be best for me, and what seems to be best for that situation. I would then talk to friends and ask them what they think, and I'd talk to family and get their counsel and see what they think. Uh, there would be, I would measure the expediency of when do we have to have this decision, and then I would bring all those things around me. And then I would pray. You know, I'd say, okay, God, I've done all the research for you, and I've got it all right here, and I think that this is what we need to do. And so now I'm coming to you. That's not what the Scripture says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Rely on him. Place your confidence in him. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. That means you acknowledge him first. So when something comes up, your very first thing that you are to do and that I am to do is to go to God. And say, God, I need to pray about this. I'm going to open up God's word. I'm going to see what scripture has to say about this. And Lord, I want you to direct me as to what you want me to do. And then once God begins to give that direction, then I can begin to look at all these other things that I have talked about. But it starts with him first. And I don't know if many of you are like me, but for me, it's often I'll do all this other stuff and then say, okay, now I've got to get the God box. So I'll go check him out over here. Where God is telling me, Danny, I need to be the first one that you come to. And that's what the book of Proverbs talks about. If you want wisdom, you trust in the Lord. You rely on God. And you trust him with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And when you go to God first, what you are doing is saying, God, I'm trusting you and I'm staking my life on it. I'm staking my life on it. Just think about that. If you seriously took this verse 
If you said, I'm going to take this to heart, and whenever situation comes up, no matter what it is, I'm going to God first, what you're saying is, I have confidence in you, and I trust you, God, and whatever your word says and whatever you say, I'm staking my life on it. Wow. Trust the Lord with all your heart, okay? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and guess what will happen? He will make straight your paths. He will make straight your paths. So what does that mean? Does that mean everything's always going to work out? No, not at all. What it means, there's two things that this means when it says he'll make your paths straight. Number one is he will guide you on the right path. God will guide you on the right path. It is like um, if you're trying to move water someplace, you dig a trench and you begin to dig this little trench and all of a sudden you will show where the water will go and wherever you put the trench is where the water will go. So it's like he's going to guide you down the right path and God will do this. If you acknowledge his ways, if you go to God's word, guess what he will do? You'll be reading God's word. He will confirm something in scripture. You'll pray to him. You'll receive a conviction from the Holy Spirit. He'll take the circumstances that are around you. He will shape those and he'll open up your eyes to to how you can make those decisions. And he will even lead you to the counsel of other believers. But it all starts with God. And it says, if you will acknowledge him, okay, and acknowledge all his ways, then guess what he'll do? He will make your path straight. He will guide you along the path. But there's a second meaning of make your path straight, and that is it means to clear away the obstacles on the path. This word was used when royalty was coming to visit. When royalty was coming to visit, people would run out on the roads and they'd clear all the debris and everything off the roads so it would be a straight level path so that they could reach their anticipated goal. You know what God does? God says, if you'll trust me with all of your heart, don't lean on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge me, I will begin to clear the path and clear the obstacles so that you can get a level road to get to the anticipated goal. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be bumps in the road because you see what God will do is at times the way he works is we're going to need some of those bumps. But the more I thought about this, and I have just been pouring over this, I kept thinking, if I acknowledge him in all my ways, and I read scripture, and I abide by scripture, then what God does is he does some preemptive removal of potential obstacles. Stay with me. He comes in preemptively, and he removes some potential obstacles. Stay with me on this. Ready? Um, Scripture teaches, flee sexual immorality. So Scripture says that you are not to be involved with someone. There's not to be sex outside of marriage. And if you just stick with what Scripture says, then do you know what? There will be some obstacles that a number of us have probably had hit our pathway because we didn't do that. And if you didn't do that, then what happens? Then all of a sudden, uh, when people begin to have uh, sex outside of marriage, which is opposite from what God's Word says, then all of a sudden, there could be an unwanted pregnancy. It's an unplanned pregnancy. And someone has to make a decision. 
don't want to have an abortion or not. And naturally, we would hope and pray that they wouldn't on there. But yet, that's an obstacle and a path that's been placed there. But if they had followed God's word, they'd never been placed in there. Some people get sexually transmitted diseases. They would never have to worry about that because if they'd have followed what God's word said. And then for some, when they do that, it means they go outside marriage and, and all of a sudden uh, they find out that, uh, that they've got a child, but yet the man doesn't want to get married. And all of a sudden this woman is going to try to raise this child. And if you look at the statistics, it says that most of the poverty is around single moms because they're trying to raise a child and everything else. And all of a sudden I've taken a turn to where I've got a lot of struggle with poverty and with education of the child, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You see, these are obstacles along the road that we have put down ourselves because we didn't acknowledge what God's Word said. And if I'd have followed what God's Word had said, I would have never had to navigate those obstacles. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 that husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for. There's to be that sacrificial love for your wife. Wives, see to it that you respect your husbands. So what if you went into a marriage where the husband loved his wife, even as Christ loved the church, and the wife had a great respect for her husband? Then they would not want to step outside those marriage bonds and mess around and begin to get involved in, in, with someone else with the result being a divorce. And then all of a sudden, they've got an obstacle called divorce that they had never, never planned. But they didn't stay with God's word, and so at times... That's what causes it to happen. I was driving to Atlanta uh, this past week. And so as I'm driving about two and a half, three hours, and I'm looking for something to listen to, I listen to Dr. Laura. Dr. Laura. How many of you ever listened to Dr. Laura? Whew. How many of you have really wanted to be Dr. Laura for just one day? Isn't that great? You know, people call. They tell you what their problems are. You beat them up and, um, and, and tell them this is what they're supposed to do that's right. And you should have thought about that in the first place. Thank you very much. Boom. Hang up. Next person. Come on over here. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, I love that. But as I listened to the things that she was saying, where I got saddened was the people that were calling, that were calling from broken families. Over and over and over and over and then as they began to talk to her about how this family got broken, it was bad decision after bad decision. And she drives it back and said, right here, why did you ever make this decision? But because they made that decision, which was completely against what God's word would say, they all of a sudden, they've gone down this path and it's resulted in a divorce. And now they're trying to deal with all these other issues with it. But, you know, if you just stayed with God's word, you would have never made that particular decision and we could have continued on this path. You see, when it says that he will make your paths straight, I believe that God preempts a lot of the things and keeps a level pathway just because we make decisions according to what God's word has to say. This is why when Gary said we studied the book from Genesis through Revelation just to understand what is in God's Word and to know it and to understand it. And when you know it and understand God's Word and you say, God, I am going to trust you, rely on you, put my confidence in you. I'm going to stake my trust in you. And in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you in everything that I do. I'm going to follow your leadership.
God's laid us out a great roadmap here. It's not a promise that all life's going to be easy. Not at all. We're in a fallen world. Illness happens. Accidents happen. It's difficult. And there are some hard times. But I can stay with God's word and know that he will direct my paths. And he will try to make the roads about as level as they can be. You say, okay, what happens if I do that? If I read through there? And I'm going to try to follow your path. I think that God's going to be able to give you a a more level direction and help you to meet your anticipated goal. Now, we can almost look at God as a third base coach. And we have his word. And when it comes time to make decisions, we need to listen to him. But as with any baseball player and a third base coach, The baseball player always has the prerogative to agree or disagree with the third base coach. Third base coach, he may be running the third. Third base coach puts his hands up and say, stop. You say, I'm faster than you think. And you just run right through that stop sign. Get out of there. And they throw you out at home. What were you doing? Or maybe the third base coach has looked out there and he says, you know what? If you just keep your house focused here and focused on home plate, you can score. You can score. It's going to be tight, but you can score. And he's waving you around. But as you're coming around, you're looking around to where the ball is. You've kind of lost a couple of steps or so, and then you're trying to pick up your speed again. And because you made that turn away from here or there, you didn't score. Or maybe you get halfway down third base line and you stop and say, no, I think I want to go back. Then all of a sudden they throw you out at third. You see, we've got God's word, and I believe that God is directing our paths. And if you will come to him and trust him and stick with him, he says, I can get you to home plate. You can be safe at third, and I can even get you to be safe at home. It can work. But we have a tendency to still run the bases, put our eyes off of him, looking here and there and trying to lean on our own understanding rather than the perfect third base coach. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. And here's the key to the whole passage, I believe. And the key is trusting God. And the more completely we trust God, the more surely God will guide us. The more completely we trust God, then the more surely God will guide us. Let us trust him and watch what he says in his word, through his spirit, follow that path. And he says, I will make your paths straight. We all look for direction. We're all looking, where do I go? When Jesus was here on earth, he ministered for about three years. And on the night of his arrest, he met with his disciples and he had a um, Passover meal where they shared this Passover meal. And in the midst of the sharing of the Passover meal, Jesus began to talk to them about what was getting ready to happen, that he was getting ready to die. And they really couldn't understand this. And so He tried to explain it, and as he explained it, he says in John chapter 14, 
He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll take you to myself and that where I am, you may be also. I'm getting ready to go. I'm going to prepare a place. One day I'll come back. I'll get you and I'll take you to that place. But then Thomas asked the question. He says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I'm rounding third. How do I know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's telling them, you keep your focus on me. You keep your focus on me. What's getting ready to happen in these next 72 hours is going to be nothing that you ever expected. Because I will go to a cross and I will die. And for six hours, I'll be suspended between heaven and earth. And when I am on that cross, all the sins of the world will be placed on me. And I will take the punishment for your sin and your sin and my sin. But then three days later, Jesus says, I will come back from the dead. And as I come back from the dead, it will prove everything that I said about being the son of God is true. It will prove that I have conquered death, I've conquered sin, and that if we want to move in to be a part of the family of God, you need to stick with me. You need to make that decision. That's what we saw up here. Nine people who'd made that decision and received Christ as Savior. And so in the midst of giving them that direction, he then, in the Lord's Supper, what we call the Lord's Supper, that Passover meal, took two of the items and gave special significance. It was the bread and the cup and explained what they were. And he said, the bread's going to represent my body, which is broken for you, and the cup represents my blood, which was shed for you. And in the scripture, it says that every time you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. And so this Sunday, we have this opportunity to uh, come together and to partake of the Lord's Supper. And I would like for our ushers who will be helping to distribute the elements, if they could at this time uh, begin to uh, get to your places and to be ready to distribute the elements. And let me give you just a word for those that are guests of ours. In partaking of the Lord's Supper, this is for believers, for people who've made that decision for Christ. And if you're here and you have accepted Christ as Savior, but you're not a member of our church, that's fine. You're a part of all of God's family, we're thankful you can participate in this. But if you're sitting here, you say, you know, Danny, I've never done that. What these people did here, making decisions for Christ, I've never done that. Then I would encourage you just to pass the plate on and, and then just sit and reflect about what we have talked about and reflect about who God is and what his son, Jesus Christ did for us on that cross. And that as we have the plates that are passed. And if you're going to participate in this, I would ask you just to take it and to hold on to it. And as you hold on to it, I want this to be a time of reflection, reflecting on what Christ has done for you. And um, we'll have a song. And following that song of reflection, I'll step back up and give you the instructions for how we'll partake of the elements. Let me leave us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what Jesus has done. We thank you for the 
amazing gift of salvation. And in these moments as we partake in the Lord's Supper, let us remember what was done on Calvary for the payment that was paid for us. And may it burn within our hearts the things that we have done that have displeased you. And may it be a time of where there's reconciliation and there's forgiveness of sins and, and there's a preparation of our hearts to say, God, I'm ready to get back on this race again. And Father, I've been going around the bases not looking at you and I know I need to focus on you. And I want to trust you. I want to trust you with all of my heart. And I'm going to stake my life on it because your son gave his life for me. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. What a great truth in that we are redeemed. And the reason we're redeemed is because Jesus went to the cross. And uh, on that meal with his disciples, he wanted to take two of those elements. And that every time that we partake of this, that we are to remember exactly the price that was paid. The first thing he did was he took the bread. As he took the bread, he broke it and he said, this bread represents my body which is being broken for you. Later on in the meal, as they came uh, to one of the cups, he took the cup and um, he told them, he says, this cup represents my blood which is being shed for you and it's blood of a new covenant a new agreement between God and man and that um, this blood is what will be shed for you and for the remission of your sins and so every time that you come together and you eat of the bread you drink of the cup you remember that and you remember his life that was given for us